for our second message this afternoon, Mr. Lawrence Gregory. His message is entitled, Blessings in Revelation. Good afternoon. To be blessed is to be fortunate, well-off, happy, with divine favor resting upon us. Now, this is what everyone wants, but so, f so few find it in their life. True blessings can come to us from many ways, but we have the Word of God to tell us specifically several ways that we can be blessed, and that is seven times in the book of Revelation. We're told who and what and how to be blessed. Our first scripture is in uh, Revelation, the first chapter, and the temptation is to read the whole book but uh, we'll just look at a few verses today of uh, reference here. Verse 3, chapter 1. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that fear or hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now notice there's three things about this blessed state. It is on the person that reads, that has their Bible, that reads the scriptures. There's a blessing there of those especially who are reading in the book of Revelation. But notice also the second thing is there's a special blessing on those that hear the word. So we hear it by preaching. We hear it from discussion of uh, Bible uh, studies and uh, talking among ourselves. We hear the word, either by tape or by a sermon or at church or in, in private studies or discussing among ourselves, however, and uh, especially the prophecies. Now, a lot of folks don't like to pay attention to the prophecies. They get confused or they try to take it out of context or they'll take this thing and put it over here and this and put it there and try to make their own private interpretation rather than following the flow as God has shown, here a little, there a little, and certain keys to help us stay on track and understand prophecy. But notice also the third thing here is the blessing on those that keep those things which are written therein. Now, if you'll notice throughout the scriptures many times, and especially in Revelation, several times we'll see this word keep. It's not the persons who start off and then quit or who just temporarily do it, but who keep it right up into the end. The promises, you know, are to the overcomer that endures to the end. That person will be saved. So, not only that, notice the repetition again. The things that are written therein for the time is at hand. Now, we know from the days of John the Apostle, who received this revelation from Jesus Christ, that it's been about 2,000 years. But a lot of things were prophesied to begin in that early first century and then to carry through. Now, this is confusing to a lot of folks, but uh, I think most of us understand the book of Revelation is 
written in a chronological sequence with certain inset chapters of information that goes back and brings it up to date and will insert information to keep us on track of the flow. And so if you take the third seal and try to put it after the sixth seal and take the seventh seal and put it before the second seal, you're going to be confused. The same thing with the trumpet. So basically, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, we can all count and we know the sequence. But they're just like you read a novel. Uh, if you read novels, you know, uh, sometimes there are uh, inset chapters to go back and pick up a character sketch or description of events and bring it up to date so that it flows as it goes. And this is the way the book of Revelation is written. And so there's a, a great blessing on, to us to make us happy and uh, let me repeat that again, fortunate, well off, with divine favor resting on us. Now the second <coughs> time that we see this where it is in chapter 14, verse 13, chapter 14, 13. I'm just going to uh, not read all of the verses surrounding it because uh, that would take uh, some time, but um, they're key before leading into and after following. But uh, chapter 14, verse 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write. Now John has told this 12 times. He's told, write certain things. A couple of times he's told, don't write that down yet. Or write it not. Don't, don't, don't write this down. This is going to happen, but don't write that down. But 12 times he's told specifically, write something specifically. So that we can read it. And so that when we read it, we can run, as the scripture says. He that reads it can run. You remember that scripture, we won't, we won't go there. But uh, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Now you know, for 2,000 years since uh, the days of the Apostle John, there have been a lot of Christian believers. A lot of the folks that have died and uh, some were persecuted, some say live in Syria or uh, Italy or in Europe or wherever uh, they had uh, some of the scriptures, whether it was in the uh, Greek language or maybe they had Aramaic or they had a, a uh, scripture portion of the Bible and they read this and they were converted. Depending on their circumstances and how violent was their life, it could have been very quiet and peaceful. Farmer, you know, a believer in Christ, keeping the commandments of God, worshiping Him. They could have been under extreme persecution like John was, like some of the apostles who lost their life, like Jesus Christ, who gave His life, who lost it, who was murdered for us and took all of our lives upon Him. But just think of 2,000 years all of the folks who've died and they're resting, asleep, waiting, and their works, their labors are resting from their labors, but their works do follow them. So we know in the end, it says, blessed is he, you know, their works, they'll be given according to their works, shall be what they're going to be doing in the future as well as uh, what they've done in the past in their character and their relationship to uh, the uh, way of God and his standard of righteousness, all that enters into 
uh, their judgment. But there's a lot of folks that are waiting to be awakened and receive that great blessing. Now, in chapter 16, verse 15, there's, there are seven of these uh, blessings that we're going to be looking at here. Uh, chapter 16, verse uh, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Notice several things. He comes as a thief. That means not in a criminal way, but quietly, secretly, to much of the world that doesn't see and aren't expecting him. But we know enough scriptures to show that he's coming visibly, that every eye shall see him and, and he'll be coming to take over, to set up his kingdom on this earth. But there's a great blessing to those that watch and keep his garments. Here again, notice, keep it, not put them off. Some folks want to start off on the way of righteousness and get their white robes and all beautiful and uh, then they just want to take them off and lay them aside and run around naked, I guess. Exhibitionists or whatever we call them, you know, they, uh, they don't want to endure. They don't want to keep on keeping on. They want to just start off for a time and uh, put off their garments and they don't want to watch. They don't want to read prophecy. They don't want to consider it. They don't want to listen to it and evaluate it and check it out and to see where it fits and if that's right. You know, God says if somebody speaks and it's not according to this word and it doesn't happen and it's not true, there's no truth in them. You can't mix a, a, a lie and a truth that won't uh, blend together. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And so a person, you know, that uh, would be running around naked should have uh, some shame. And unfortunately, some maybe do not. Now, the next one in uh, chapter 19, verse 9. We'll go there. 19, verse 9. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These things are the true sayings of God. Now, we know that a wedding is one thing that you just normally, normally don't show up at a wedding unless you're invited. But especially, especially the wedding supper. Especially that uh, private meal with just a few, maybe the, the bride or the groom or the, depending on which wedding supper it is with the, with the immediate family and the close friends. And uh, as a stranger, I've never gone to a wedding supper. Now, I've been occasionally to, uh, invited to weddings that I wasn't participating in, and we all are that way, family and friends, and we know it's kind of open and come and come to the wedding. But generally, I don't go to a stranger's wedding, somebody I don't know. Or a funeral, a stranger funeral, normally. Now, working in the cemetery over the years, you get to see a lot of, uh, and attend a lot of funerals as a representative of the uh, funeral home cemetery. Uh, you're there as a, as a representative. So I've been to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals. 
And, you know, I've told you some stories about some of those. I won't tell you any stories today about those uh, uh, sacred moments in the minds of some folks, but, you know, some things do strange happen at funerals. And so that's one thing that we don't do. But notice, those who are righteous and are believers and are saints and are, are good folks in God's eyes, according to his standard, they're invited to that supper with the Lord. And uh, we can talk about, you know, the Passover, the Lord's Supper, the contrast between those two, and what, what is actually the, the truth of that. But uh, there's a great blessing for those people that are invited, they're called, they're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And these are true sayings. Now, uh, let's go on to chapter 20, verse 6. By the way, I know that uh, when we give messages uh, from the scriptures and we read scriptures, that uh, we haven't slipped anything new in last night. We're all familiar with this. We read these over and over. We've heard messages. We've, we've read these things, and we're challenged uh, to be good and to be positive and uh, to enjoy these uh, words from God. In verse 6, blessed and holy. That doesn't mean you got a bunch of holes in you, but it means we're sacred, we're set apart, we're holy. As God is holy, we have his special divine, we read that earlier, his divine favor is upon us. His blessing of divinity, Christ in us, the Father in us, we in them, they in us, we're holy. Two things, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, we've explained this time after time. It's our hope, it's our belief, it's our trust, it's our confidence in that. We look forward to that. But can you imagine all of the saints down these couple of thousand years and beyond, beyond back to Adam and Eve and those Old Testament saints who were judged righteous, who were, according to God's standard, are going to come up in that first resurrection, who look forward. We, you know, we as Christians in uh, uh, 2014, we look back a couple of thousand years. We look back to Jesus. A lot of them looked forward to Jesus. They looked forward as it was explained. They had, they had an understanding, some of them. Not everyone, because there was a blindness in part on a lot, but some righteous individuals could explain and they knew and they anticipated Jesus from the very days of Adam and Eve when it talked about that seed that was going to come and that special one. Steve was talking a little bit about that, the prefiguring of Christ, and they look forward to that. They look forward to salvation. So can imagine all of those that uh, come up in that first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. Now, the second death, we know this. It's appointed unto man once to die. Everybody's going to die. Now, some folks don't believe that, but we're mortal. Herbert Armstrong, many years ago, used to take, he would say, take the hat pin test. <laughs> Remember that? Some of us long-timers. I don't want to say old-timers. Some of us long-timers <clears throat> would remember him saying, 
If you think you're spirit, you're born of the spirit. If you think you're begotten of the spirit, uh, not begotten, but born again. If you think you're born of the spirit, take the old hat pin test. And you'll find out you're still physical. Now, we can be begotten, we're, we're changed, we have the Holy Spirit, we're begotten, we're a new creature, we're growing and overcoming, but uh, those folks, all of the righteous Old Testament, New Testament saints, we can identify this, are looking forward to that first resurrection and will never die. Remember, and this is a little difficult scripture sometimes, it has to be explained, but when Jesus said, he that believes in me will never die, what he meant will not die forever. Will, if you invert the, the Greek and the English the way it should be, Jesus was saying, you'll not die forever. Doesn't, he wasn't saying you'll never die. You'll be in the flesh for 2,000 years. And then bingo, changed at the resurrection. No, he meant you won't die forever. Go to sleep. But death is for who? Sinners. The wages of sin is death, D-E-A-T-H. Did I spell that correct? D-E-A-T-H. What does that mean? Death means death. No consciousness, no thought, no resurrection from that. Eternity of blackness, no thought, just cease to exist. That's what awaits for unrepentant sinners. But we know our hope is in the resurrection that we will not have to die forever. We'll live forever. That's, that's, our that's our promise, and that's the purpose. And that's what we're looking forward to, and we're anticipating that. I'd like to, I'd like to be around forever. Uh, I know you would like to see me be a better person around forever. Uh, that's, that's, that's a given. And I'd like to see you folks <laughs> dressed. I don't want to see any of you naked. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? But be dressed in those white, radiant, glow, glowing robes of righteousness and uh, hiding all that nakedness. <laughs> a lot of it for some folks. And <laughs> laugh in the balcony section. I mean in the, okay. Come on, Lucy, you'll smile a little. <laughs> okay. I better stop having fun at her expense. Okay, uh, that's, enough, that's enough said for that, uh, but we know, we, know, we know what we're talking about. Uh, living and reigning, that's just the beginning, a thousand years, helping folks, a thousand years, then a hundred years, and boy, we're so excited, we can hardly wait. We don't know what's beyond that. We can't even imagine, we can't our thoughts. We can talk about it. I wonder what will happen maybe uh, a million years from now. What will we be doing? We don't know. God has some great plan and purpose, and we're just in on the beginning. Now, there's going to be a lot of other folks joining us in the uh, plan that he's laid out to be with us forever. God is going to have a lot of folks, billions and billions of sons and daughters with him forever. He must have something you know, he's, he's big. He calls every one of these millions of stars out there by name. I challenge you. Tell me a, a hundred names of some of the stars. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm not taking the time to learn a hundred names. God knows every one of them by name. Now, we, to make a simple man, you know, we number them. <laughs> the the, the uh, 
what do you call the scientists? Uh, astronomers. Hey, good, Steve. Glad you're back here. Beard and all. <laughs> oh, yeah, praise God. That's it. He's speaking Greek already. <laughs> Hebrew. Oh, Hebrew. Hebrew and Greek. Yeah. What is Hebrew is hallelujah. What is it in Greek? Hallelujah. Yeah? Yeah, same. That's the only and it's the same way in English, right? So we say hallelujah, you got all the bases covered. And except you go to China, they probably do it different over there. <laughs> You'd be close? Okay. Excuse the conversation a little bit. With <laughs> I mean, now Ken was having fun, and I thought, what can I do to have some fun up there? Just talk to Steve Trimble, talk to Lucille, and listen to Maxine. And Reg clapping. Oh, good. Okay. Now, uh, aren't, we having, aren't we blessed today? Happy? Oh, boy, this is the way we should be. A big old smile on our face. Now, turn to Revelation, the 22nd chapter, because here's another one. And uh, verse 7. Uh, yeah, there he is. Head of me already. Behold, Jesus said, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Notice the word keepeth again. Not shuffles it off, abandons it. There's a blessing on keeping the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, we have to read, we have to hear, we have to keep, we have to know what these prophecies are saying if we're going to keep them. So that's why I'm saying this is kind of an amended message. We're not going to go through the whole book, but we understand that we have a great blessing upon us to make us happy and to have divine favor resting upon us if we keep the sayings. Now, it's a given. Brethren, we know the positive sayings. We don't want to keep the negative, the curses, the uh, warnings, the scoldings, uh, the rebukes. Uh, we want to leave those aside. But the encouragement and the good things and the positive things and all of the wonderful things that are in the message of these uh, 22 chapters, there's a blessing if we're keeping them. Now, in uh, the last uh, blessing here, uh, Revelation 22 and verse... 14, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And we know what that glorious, wonderful city that's coming to this earth, where God is and where he's dwelling and where we can go into that and all the streets are paved with gold and they have wonderful wonderful room there for us a huge enormous and enormous if we can take the uh, convert the cubits the description it seems like it's about 1200 miles a cube on this earth huge and enormous place that can well remember Jesus said in my father's house are many rooms many mansions I go and prepare a place for you. So we've got a mansion. We've got a room waiting for us. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place to be there. 
Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. Now, those of you who travel, who go to different countries, you know, uh, as an American, we have uh, citizenship rights. And uh, when we go to uh, another country, we have a passport, uh, a permission to get into that country. But when we come back to the States, uh, we don't have to. We're an American. Now we have a driver's license, we have ID, and we maybe have a birth certificate, and maybe we have uh, our passport with us. And so they'll let us back in, and they won't stop us at the border. Uh, they won't kick us off the plane because we're American. We're coming back to America. And when I was uh, in uh, Cancun, Mexico one time and came back, uh, I told you about this on the, on the flight coming in. When the plane loaded with uh, all kinds of uh, folks, Americans and who knows, when it landed in Houston, spontaneous applause and a, a roar went up from all the people happy to be back to America and land on that tarmac there at the airport in Houston. It was just spontaneous. We were applauding. And we weren't negating what experiences we had in Mexico, but we were so happy to be back here. And that's the way we got a passport. Uh, when we went uh, to Canada first time in uh, 2011, uh, right after, first time right after uh, the 2011 September in the United States, boy, they opened our car, opened our trunk, got the luggage out, went through it, checked it, you know, did all of this. Now, uh, then we had driver's license, then they began to require passports, so we got our passports. And then they started asking for that. Now then, the, you have to uh, almost, hey, you wanna see my passport? Just go right on through, you know. And uh, first they usually ask you at the border, uh, where are you going? When you're going in, where are you going? You tell them. Uh, where are you going? Why are you going there? And you tell them. And then the third question that you ask, you got any guns? Yeah, like I'm going to a church convention, a Feast of Tabernacles, a convocation, and I've got some trunkload of guns in my car. Now, Ken's not with me. <laughs> so I don't have, I can honestly say I don't have any guns. Because he's packing. <laughs> and... Uh, so a couple of times, and my wife, she's a, she's a navigator, a passenger sitting over there, and I'm driving, and, and she's got the passports ready. And, and somehow you have to tell those folks, you want to see our passports? Because they just kind of look at you, where are you going? And when you, as you're exiting, coming back to America. Now, they, they've even added, the last few years, they've got these super lanes. You can, if you're a terrorist, you can pre-record that you're a good guy. And you just zip on through, you know, and they don't even stop you, they don't even check you, they've got those super lanes you can go through back and forth. Because uh, I guess, I'm not, I don't mean to give terrorists an idea, but they probably thought of this a long time ago. But uh, the point is, we have a passport. We have a right, we have expectation. Nobody's gonna meet us, and, and Janice told me, don't tell that St. Peter joke again. <laughs> So I'm not going to tell you, St. Peter, at the Golden Gates. I'm not going to tell you that. But when we go up there, he's not, he's not going to be checking us out. When we go up there, we have a right to enter in, to go into, because we're believers, we're Christians. We have, this, we, we have the stamp of Jesus Christ. We have the passport. And we have a citizenship. Our citizenship is reserved there. So we go because we have a right 
And we have a right to go eat that tree. We don't have to sneak around and we can, we can eat that tree of life. And we can enter in through the gates into the city. Boy, what a wonderful blessing it is to have rights and to have freedom. And to, uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to say something here right now. I think we've been puzzled this week a little bit. Some have uh, feelings. Maybe you have one feeling and maybe, maybe others here might have another feeling. But... Uh, there was a fellow that got himself into a lot of trouble this week, a lot of criticism, because he was talking about the, the, the blacks have it a lot better now. They've got uh, jobs, they've got schools, they've got freedom, they can come and go. But before, when they were slaves, they didn't have all of that. They were controlled. Now, they were good and they were bad, and you can go back and examine history of uh, good slavery and bad slavery and, and uh, you know, uh, the freedom that came to some of those folks that didn't want it and some came to them. And, Generally, uh, what he was saying was, uh, in some senses, in some cases, maybe some of those uh, citizens are better off today. But he got himself into a lot of trouble as a racist for his slanderous remarks that he was making comparing slavery to current times today. So uh, we... Uh, we don't want to go there too, too much because uh, different ones will have different feelings about what's racist and what isn't. But the point is that all races, all ethnicities, all believers, Old Testament, New Testament saints are going to have a passport, have a right to go into the kingdom, to go into the city, to be there. And there's nobody there that is going to stop us at the gate and say, you can't come in here because you don't have the right clothes on or you don't look right or you don't have the right language or you weren't born right or you don't have the right ancestry or heritage all nations and all believers and I'm, I'm emphasizing this because if the world understood that if like Ken was talking about some of our uh, fellows in the, in the churches believed that and had excitement and enthusiasm that everybody that was a believer in the name of Jesus was going to be there wouldn't that revolutionize their thinking and uh, give uh, a lot of excitement in their life and meaning and substance to their beliefs and a foundation that they can just stand on. Yeah, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be there forever. Nobody's going to take it from me. And I'm not going to die again. Never going to die again. Never going to have to worry about it because there's not going to be sin, no right, no unrighteousness, no, no wickedness, no evil. It's all going to be put away. It's all going to be in the past and only glorious, righteous future ahead. What a wonderful time that'll be. Now, uh, yes, praise God again. Hallelujah. You're speaking uh, Hebrew today. Uh, let's go back to uh, the first chapter of the book of John here. And uh, verse uh, 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, John was the writer, as he was told to write by the angels and by Christ in those different times, write this, write this, write this for us. He's there persecuted by the Roman Empire in that first century, about 96 to 100 A.D. Uh, you know, you can settle on the exact date that uh, you're comfortable with in your chronological study, but around the, around the beginning of the second century, when he was given this inspiration here for the 
uh, book of Revelation from Jesus Christ, but he was under great persecution and opposition. And uh, for his belief and the persecution that he was suffering from the Roman Empire. Now, a lot of us maybe aren't persecuted. We have freedoms. We have good life. Uh, we're not having uh, difficulties from the government as he was from the Roman Empire. Uh, maybe if we speak out a little more uh, as we do and as time goes on, maybe more persecution, more opposition, more uh, will come to us that uh, uh, are more public in those pronouncements. And on those that are more quiet, that dwell quietly in the land, maybe escape some of that. But notice he was there. He was a prisoner on this island, this rocky quarry island of caves and things. He was a prisoner there off of the western coast of Turkey, south of Ephesus, there in the Mediterranean, this little island, Patmos. He was there for two things, notice. He was there for the word of God. Now, God had brought him to that privacy that he could listen to what he had to say, and then he left it for a time, he was told to go and write these things down, right now, write them down and share them. And so, uh, what he wrote down is what we're reading here today. And the second thing is, he was there for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, we know this word testimony is the same uh, word that's used for martyr. Uh, it's the same basic root word. A testimony uh, for, let's see, right, just stop down here to uh, see. Uh, no, I'm not going to go at that verse. We'll go a little later to uh, another verse. Yeah, let's go to verse uh, 19. Uh, he was told, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Future prophetic things. Those three, the things that are, the things you've seen, the things that are going to be afterward, uh, beyond your lifetime here. And the word uh, materian or martis means a person who gives their life for a belief. And so he was there for the testimony. And the scriptures tell us that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so... He was given a spirit of prophecy of divine utterance as a martyr giving his life and his testimony that he was receiving uh, from Christ. Okay, uh, back in uh, verse, uh, let's see, 17 and uh, 18, we read 19. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And had the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which you have seen, we read this, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Notice, it's Jesus Christ who has the key to unlock to give us the inspiration, to explain things. He is the revelator. Now, now, I know in our Bibles, and we've gone over this in, over many past years, uh, here at the, at the very beginning, it says here in, in my Bible, Bible, which I have a 
the National Bible. It says, the revelation of St. John the Divine. Is that what your heading is? The revelation of St. John. Look at it. It's not the revelation of St. John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ who gave it, who interpreted, who explained it to John. And John was told to write it down. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revealing of and by him to John. So uh, we, under, we understand that, that he saw the things that he saw then, the things that are and the things that are, that are to, to be coming. Now, uh, there were a couple of things going on in the days of... Uh, John, and they're going on today, and uh, the Apostle Paul had to deal with that. So much of his life was dealing with this, and John, in the first uh, century, the second, the third century, uh, the apostasy that was beginning in the church, that was going on. The apostasy, the false belief, the weakness, the denying, doing away with. Uh, canceling out the Church of God and making it a universal Church of Rome. And then the second thing that was going on, and this is, this is something we're, going to, we're beginning to see in the world, and we're going to see this more and more in America. And already the, we, can, we begin to see a little bit is the opposition, the persecution from the government. Now, when you start criticizing and start directing that criticism toward what's happening in the government, it's going to start setting up opposition and defense. And who's going to suffer? Who's, who's going to be using the influence of the government to uh, use those agencies and organizations to persecute, to get even with, to stop those citizens out? Uh, we can see and we know that that's what happened in the history in the past of the Roman Empire. It's going to happen to us. We have enough of the scriptures, other scriptures I'm not even looking at here in the book of Revelation alone others. Now another point that I have here, a separate uh, point here is uh, this book is full of doctrine. It's full of inspiration, of information on Christian living, uh, on our conduct. It's full of prophetic teaching. It's uh, shows us the ideal church standard, uh, like in those messages to the seven churches where he's showing and comparing Jesus is a good church, a good congregation, a good uh, organization of believers, good fellowship, compared to sinful, wrong uh, congregations. And so uh, there's a lot of contrast in the book of Revelation between blessings and curses, between the positive and the good. And in all this, the blessings are on those positive individuals who are keeping, who are obedient, who are doing the practical and the right things. Now, what things? What things are we commended for doing? Well, we're told this in the last chapter of Revelation, the 22nd chapter. And you might be already ahead of me there. 22 verse 14. Blessed, I read this are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And so, this is what we're doing, the Ten Commandments. We know the Fourth Commandment. Now, we heard in the first message how the Roman Catholic Church and the popes and religious leaders 
And the Catholic Church is saying, you Protestants, we're the ones, we changed Sabbath to Sunday. Uh, well, they didn't change Sabbath to Sunday, but they changed from the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, because God, the Sabbath, is still the seventh day, still worship on the seventh day of the week. But they said, you know, you Judaizers, uh, if you go, if you uh, designate Saturday as a Sabbath, you're wrong. You're just Judaizers. But us Christians, Easter followers, Sunday is the day that we designate uh, to be holy. And so we have... Uh, the contrast between those who are not keeping the commandments of God as revealed, the idolatry and worshiping uh, false gods and all the things that are ramifications that are going and kind of mingling the commandments. They kind of take the Ten Commandments and kind of intermingle them so that you get confused. Uh, whereas we have in the Decalogue laid out one through ten. We know one through ten from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 and uh, other scriptures that... Uh, uh, tell us which one of the commandments so those ten basically that we're talking about John Paul James Jesus the early apostles the early church they all kept the commandments of God and they persecuted uh, were persecuted for keeping them now uh, back in uh, verse uh, 17 of chapter 12 back up a little bit here this is a description uh, of the uh, true church in chapter 12 contrasted with 13 but uh, chapter 12 and verse 17 the dragon was wroth with a woman a uh, woman symbolizing uh, of the church and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and had the testimony of Jesus Christ now remember Steve had two sermons on the seed he could have a bunch of sermons because he said there were several hundred scriptures. And uh, he had it broken down into like eight different categories. And uh, he could have brought a lot more references and a lot more. You have to just leave this aside and leave that aside. <clears throat> don't cover that and don't cover that. But uh, just see how often, even today, a couple of times we've talked about this and seen, th uh, seen this. So I don't want to intrude on his messages. Uh, if you haven't uh, uh, heard those, you might... Uh, get copies of them and tune in to see uh, those two messages Steve had recently on the seed but the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ and let me just turn uh, right here to uh, verse uh, 10 of chapter 19 turn over there <coughs> excuse me I might have this one out of order chapter uh, 19 verse 10 and I fell at his feet to worship him and he said unto me see you do it not that was an angel I am your fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy so we have the spirit of prophecy and we understand prophecy and we talk about prophecy because that's interesting and it's important to us and it's significant to understand the time flow so we know kind of the general uh, time frame but then we fit it in that general with more specific things as God gives us understanding so we love prophecy and we love to uh, study it and to 
understand that the testimony, the witness, the martyr of Jesus Christ is that spirit of prophecy to give us understanding. Now, back in uh, chapter 14, to pass on forward a little bit from chapter 12, 14, verse uh, 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I didn't deliberately emphasize the keeping of the commandments here, but it's so often, it's so important, and it occurs time after time. Uh, there's something for us to get out of this. And I heard a voice, and I read this before, uh, from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, for saith the, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And um, then let's go down to um, Revelation, the 21st chapter. We have some interim in here of the uh, six angels' messages, but I don't know if I'm going to uh, spend a lot of time on that of uh, the third angel's message and keeping those commandments of the six angel's message is kind of like an like a inset chapter there that gives us uh, significance of the mark of the beast and the, and uh, the righteousness of the saints contrasted with that. But Revelation 21, verse uh, 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, now here's where we interject negatives. And if you go back and read uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, and then many other scriptures, you'll see the contrast between the blessings and the cursings. And those are more clearly identified. We won't go there today. A lot of contrast, a lot of differences between the blessings of God and the curses of God and, and uh, those who are commandment keepers and those who are not and those who receive uh, curses because of disobedience. But um, let's, let's read here verse uh, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominab abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. A horrible death to occur to uh, someone who is going to suffer the uh, consequences of uh, unrepentant uh, sin. Is Now, uh, just looking at some of these briefly as we go through here, uh, the word fearful means cowardice. Uh, it's never used in a good sense. It's always used here of uh, somebody that is uh, uh, timid, of uh, lack of faith, of a cowardice. It's never used in a, in a positive sense. Fearful, unbelieving, without assurance, faithless, abominable, disgusting, idolatrous, detestable, murderers, whoremongers, pornea, sexual sins, sorcerers, Pharmacon, drugs, spells, sorcery, witchcraft, the occult, major. Some people like to dabble in those and have fun, 
doing those, but uh, stay away from them. Idolaters, worshiping foreign gods, liars, all liars, all have their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death, a horrible thing to consider. Chapter 22, 15, continuing on in this vein here, we see, for without our dogs, now that doesn't mean like outside our shelties and collies and but it's talking about sodomites. Outside our, this is a euphemism for the word. The word in the Greek and the Hebrew can also mean a canine, you know. It can mean dogs, but the secondary meaning of the Hebrew and the Greek word is euphemisms for homosexuals, for sodomites. Now there's a, there's a great deal, uh, I don't know if Steve, I don't know if Ken saw this, uh, some of us probably saw uh, just the last couple of days, a little more particular details of this statue of Satan that they're wanting to erect at the Capitol building in Oklahoma City. Have you seen that? And it's a, it's a statue of Satan. And it's a creature with a goat's head and flaring, you know, horns and, and ears. And a couple of little kids all smiling, a little boy and a little girl standing there just in awe looking up at this. And they want to get the children, you know, Catholic Church learned, businesses learned, if you can get the cook on the little children, or you got it made. Because who's going to criticize you for not doing good things for little children? Get the little children. Get the little children. And this is that statue. Have you, how many have seen that statue of that horrible Satan right there next to the Ten Commandments? They want to put it right beside the Ten Commandments. What a horrible, ugly thing to consider. Sodomites, dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and whatsoever loveth and maketh a lie. And we could go on about all of the lies that are told. I've told you before. We were talking about this a few weeks ago when I was focusing a little bit on, little bit on this. And I was telling you, remember how uh, families, they really do this continually. Oh, if you be good, Santa Claus will bring you a good present. They're lying to their kids because they're going out and buying that present and wrapping it up and hiding it and then putting it under the tree, and then they tell the kids, Santa Claus brought it. And they lie, and then the kid lies, and they may be disciplined or maybe not, but whoever loves a lie, Easter, Halloween, Christmas, Sunday, no holy days. I heard of one of our beloved congregations that are doing away with the holy days doing away with foot washing at the Passover service. Don't, taking all the literature out of the church that we provide of explanations and information to help people understand the scriptures. And we get requests from that continuity, from CGOM and from the Tulsa Church to provide some material and some, because people need some help in reading. They can't be in services. They can't hear their preaching. They don't have all the explanation, but they can take a few minutes and read it on the website or read it uh, in the literature. Maybe they're uh, in some foreign country and they can uh, download it or if they can't afford to go to the library or they can't afford to use a computer, they 
send a request to us and we mail them information and they can sit there and read it in the privacy of their home. But there are a lot of folks who make up lies and they distort. We know about that. In 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, we're, we're going to leave the uh, book of Revelation just briefly and go uh, because we want to look just at uh, what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And we've, we've talked about this so often. Uh, first chap, uh, 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, excuse me, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. I wrote unto you an, in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or with extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. So, we can't leave this world. We have to live among them, and they're here, but we just don't want to involve ourselves with them. We don't want to be a part of them. We have to separate ourselves, and that, that sometimes brings opposition and persecution and uh, uh, difficulty in our life when we separate ourselves. Who do you think you are? You're better than we are. Well, uh, guess if that's what they say, uh, because we do that, then that's what they're going to say. Anyway, um, we're going to close here in Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 3 and 7. Go back to Revelation 22, 3 and 7. Verse 3, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And verse, uh, let's see, verse 7, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. We want to be blessed. And so we have a choice. That's put off the curses. Turn away from the negative things that we read in this book and the descriptions and the evaluation and the character descriptions that are there have nothing to do with the uh, unseen, wicked things of this world. We need God's help. We need his spirit to help us to turn to righteousness, turn to keeping his commandments. I know it's hard sometimes walking in righteousness and uh, dealing with opposition and persecution. But if we do this, if we keep the commandments and walk in righteousness before God, we will truly then be blessed.